You know, how do you follow that? With the Holy Spirit of God taking over His worship. And that Sunday that Jesus came in to Jerusalem, they were honoring Him and they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is He that comes in the name of the Lord. And I think you had a congregation singing on the side of the road that day as he was coming into Jerusalem. My goodness, what a time of worship, Pastor Randy, and uh, the choir and the singers and the instruments that bring honor to him. I think this is the favorite time of the year for Jesus. And I think that it is the favorite time of the year in heaven as they remember the Passion Week and as they look forward to the resurrection. But on that particular Sunday that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of which He was the ruler, He knew that it was the beginning of a path that would be met with some difficulty before the Resurrection Sunday. And it was a path, let me tell you, that he did not want to walk. Except for one reason, and the Bible says this, for the joy set before the Lord Jesus. He endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what that joy was? The salvation of you and me. That He could absolve every sin we have ever committed. You say, well, Pastor Chuck, you mean that sin that nobody else knows about? That sin that's deep and dark within my heart? And maybe the reason I'm in a prison today? You mean the sin that I could never forgive myself of? He will forgive me? Yes, He will. And hear this and hear it well. There is no sin that He did not die for. No matter how terrible and horrible it is. He will forgive you. And He died for you. And He wants you to live for Him. There was a plan that God had from the foundation of the world. It was a path that He Himself knew for hundreds of years. That he and he alone would have to walk. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. And that when he killed those animals to cover the sin and the shame of Adam and Eve, our great grandmother and great grandfather, he knew as he was shedding that blood that one day he would shed his own through the person of Jesus. 
so that he could cover your shame and my shame. Even though people in your family and friends in the world would like to expose it, he covers it. Because of the cross. He had a plan in mind that exceeds anything we would have come up with. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways of doing things are far beyond anything you could imagine. And the cross blows our mind that he would use that as his approach. But the road to get to where Jesus wanted to be our salvation is not the route that you and I would have chosen. That week, this week, he kept checking his GPS, God's positioning system. On the road to Calvary, he checked it over and over and over again that week. Asking, are you sure? Is this really the way to go? The way of the cross? Is there another way? He kept checking it because the road was so difficult. Like our own pastor is facing right now in his life. The road is so rocky to get to where God would have him to go. But God said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And even though Jesus was God in a bod, his humanity needed that assurance. But that path was to save the world. But he wondered, surely there was a better way that would avoid the cross. So in Matthew 26, turn with me in verse 36. This is, this is the story of what Jesus went through. And maybe you and, you and I, I know, have went through similar times. The Gethsemane. Of asking God, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? Then Jesus went with his disciples after that last supper, which we'll celebrate at the end of this message the Lord has for us. After he had that time with his guys, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, which means olive press. And he said to his disciples, 11 of them, you know where Judas was, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther, 
like you and I do in the midst of our Gethsemane. It's an alone time, just you and God. And he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. We would have been too. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep alert and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, to test. For the Spirit is indeed willing, like you said just moments earlier tonight, that you're willing to die for me. And you meant it, you meant it. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time. Saying the same thing again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. A time much greater than that moment. The time of the cross. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up. Let's be going. Here's the message that Jesus has for us today. And may we pray and ask for Him to speak it. Lord Jesus, I have no ability in and of myself to be a spokesman for You. Just like Pastor Matt would say, I don't have anything to say. For it's not me that speaks. But Lord, it's you who speaks through me and through Pastor Matt and through Pastor Ricky and everyone that honors this place by just being used. So Lord, speak today the way you want to speak this message because you have chosen it. As in every message behind this pulpit. And may you apply it where you want to apply it by your Holy Spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus, your name, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, his inner circle. And he became anguished and distressed. That word anguish and distress means he realized what was about to happen. It was here. The moment was there. And it's the feelings, like one scholar said, of an unexpected crisis. He was facing it. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief. 
Some of you this morning are facing that very thing in your life. And that word crushed means completely all around, just like that olive press in the Garden of Gethsemane. They would take those olives there within that bowl, and then they would be crushed completely until the olive oil ran out. Maybe in the midst of your life right now, you're facing that where you're crushed all around. There is no way out. He said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. When the plans of God bring us to the place of dread, pressure, we're feeling it. We need friends to be with us. Even Jesus. Let me tell you something. Deb and I have watched as the family of this church has responded to their pastor. And that's a wonderful thing to see. Then again, I'm not really surprised because Jesus said, My sheep know me because he's their shepherd and I know them he said I call them by name and they follow me that's the way Matt Powell is and you have loved him him and Andrea and the kids through this because everybody needs friends especially when they're going through difficulty. Amen? So Jesus went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground because there's some things friends cannot help you with. Like he told us last week to be still. There's just that moment. And he prayed, My Father, he was personal. If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Mark writes, he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Amen to that. I'd rather not if you don't mind. And Mark writes, he said, Abba, Father... which is two different ways of saying the same name. And I think he used it there to say like, Daddy, Daddy, Father, Father. He was emphasizing it like a child does when they're in the midst of a challenging time in their life. They scream out to their father, Father, Father. The Bible says he cried it out. Everything is possible for you. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7, while Jesus was here on earth, He offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue Him from death. 
He prayed earnestly. We can resist the test when we see that God is already ahead of us, encouraging us in the journey of His perfect plan. He is. Not only is He ahead, but the Bible says He is behind us. And the Bible says He is beside us. He said, I've got this. Luke adds that an angel from heaven appeared during this time and strengthened Jesus, energized him. The Bible says he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. It really was drops of blood. It's called hematidrosis. They said it's tiny blood vessels that cause bloody sweat. And they're more likely to rupture when under major psychological or physical stress. That's exactly what happened with Jesus. It was actually blood coming from his skin because of the agony that he was going through. The Bible says the Spirit of Jesus helps us during our doubt as we pray to follow God's plan despite its difficulty. Romans 8, 26-28 says, And the Holy Spirit of Jesus helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. God, what do I say? Some of you right now, or said, I don't know what to say. I can't even voice what I'm feeling right now. But God knows. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There are no words for some things. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And because of that, <laughs> because of that, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And he will do that for our pastor. And for those who are called according to his purpose for them. Then Jesus returned to the disciples. And found them asleep. Oh, do not criticize those guys. Because you and I would have done the same. Couldn't you even watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray 
so that you will not give in to be vanquished by temptation. Because guys, you're about to face it like you've never faced it. Because the cross is coming. And you will be tempted to give up. Thinking that I was a false messiah. But pray that you will not give in to that temptation. For the Spirit is willing. It really, really wants to. But the body is weak. It wants to give up and give in. It is imperative that we stay focused on His Word. To watch and pray so that we will not follow, be swallowed in the alternative path of least resistance. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He said, I want to save the world, but I don't want to go to the cross if I could avoid it. So that's why he prayed and focused upon God's will because he said, I'll do what you want me to do. Speaking of staying focused on his word, Jim Future writes in his devotional book, Directions, about an incident that occurred on the morning of December the 11th, 1990. Maybe some of you remember it. On Interstate 75 between Chattanooga and Knoxville, there was a 99-vehicle pileup leaving 12 people dead and 42 injuries. One of the greatest highway disasters in American history. Advice after the highway disaster came as follows. Basically, when you go into a situation with dense fog like that night, that morning, the fog that caused the problem, use your fog lights or low beam headlights. When you get into that dense fog that caused that disaster, slow down, but do not stop. That's what caused the chain reaction. Two semi-trailers, one bumped into the other one, and they stopped to check for damages. And 97 vehicles later, you had a disaster. What do you do when life is foggy? Like it was for Jesus in the early morning hours before dawn on that Good Friday that wasn't so good for Him. I was asking Langerfeld, the Bible lands expert about it, and he definitely is. And he said, you know, he said, I don't really know if they had fog that morning or night. He said, we never go to like 10 a.m. to Gethsemane. But he said it could have been. He said, because there's definitely a mist that goes over that area from that valley. So Jesus could have literally faced a fog that morning, but we know for sure it was a spiritual fog. So what do you do 
when you can't see forward. The Bible says in Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. The lamp is right at the feet to prevent you from stumbling. I use my cell phone when I turn off all the lights and I try to get to the bedroom I use my cell phone he said the word of God is sort of like that it helps you to see right in front of you I don't know if I'd recommend doing that with a cell phone but definitely the word of God but it's a light to your path it's like streets lights that dot the streets of Tupelo so you can see clearly. He says, so the Word of God takes you step by step and mile by mile. Let me tell you, listen to the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do not follow the truth of culture because it's relative to the winds of change but follow the Word of God because there's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and that's what Jesus was doing the world as we can see from recent events in our own country is in darkness I've never ever seen it in the history of America the moral darkness that our country is under but Jesus said That it would be like in the days of Noah before his coming. He could be coming any time. Or it may be a thousand years or two thousand years from now. Only he knows. But the times are, are, I've never seen them like this. But I've never seen a greater Savior either. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Let your light so shine before the world. So we need the light of Jesus to guide us in the path He has laid out for us. Read His Word every day. For we don't know the dangers ahead. He does. And Jesus was trusting Him. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Jesus prayed differently in his second request. I'd never noticed it before. There's a transition in his second prayer to more acceptance of what is ahead. The more we pray, the more God helps us accept what is ahead. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Three times, same words. The necessity of the repetition of prayer to ask God's intervention in the request and your acceptance of his way of handling it, that's why we keep praying. You remember the widow? The disciples said, Jesus, how do we pray? 
Jesus said, pray this way. And she kept going and going to the unjust judge. Said, avenge me and my adversary. The widow's relentless request of the unjust judge who could do for her what she could not do for herself in the legal case. And he took care of it. And Jesus said, if that judge will do that for that widow, God will do it for you. Keep praying, keep praying. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. He said it like they had never heard him say it before. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up. Let's be going. Here we go. Let me tell you something. When we read the Word of God on a continual basis, and when we pray, Trust in God with the outcome. We can face anything. Finding the place where Jesus wants us to be is a process, not an instant reveal. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That word means cling to Him. Do not depend, like the King James says, lean on your own understanding, because it don't make sense. Does it? Pastor Chuck, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. Seek His will in all you do. That means 24-7. Let me ask you something. Because it's so easy not to pray and so easy not to get in the Word of God because we're quite so busy. That's a dangerous place to be. We're too busy not to pray and not to read the Word of God. If Jesus needed it, we definitely do. Pray. Take that time. And he says, if you do, but only then, if you do, God himself will show you which path to take. GPS, not global positioning service system, but God's positioning system. He'll show you. Deb and I love places that are beautiful. We love the mountains. We love the beach. Like a lot of you do. But in order to get there, you have to travel. But we get there. Thank goodness for GPS. Because I've got the HPS. Hampton positioning system that Deb says doesn't always work. So she likes GPS. 
The Lord Jesus has travel plans all laid out in His GPS. He wants to take you to a place that you never dreamed. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. No matter what happens in between, God will get you to where He wants to get you. And it's good. As we have the time of the Lord's Supper, as the deacons come forward, the deacon ministry, before Jesus had His Gethsemane, earlier that night He gathered His closest friends, His disciples, and He shared His heart with them. They knew that night something was not quite the same with Jesus. Matter of fact, they had never seen Jesus like that. They had had a Passover meal with Him two other times. But not like that night. He had done extraordinary things with them. Remember washing their feet? And they just couldn't believe it. What is he doing? You know, they call it body language, where the body language shouts over the spoken language. And that's what it was that night. And so Jesus came together and he brought his guys together and they had already had the Passover meal. Then at the end of that Passover meal, Jesus took the bread and of course we have the wafers here and we have it now for sanitary purposes even more safe. But that night, the Bible says that Jesus broke the bread. Like His body would be broken for us. So Tony, will you come and pray as we think about Jesus' body being broken for us? Father, we are just uh, humbled here, uh, thinking about what you've what you've paid for us. That uh, you took our punishment. Um, you were without sin, and uh, but yet you you sacrificed it all. Um, you gave your uh, your life. You let them uh, break your body for us. Lord, we just uh, are so thankful for what you've, that you paid the price, that uh, we now have salvation, and we have eternal life to look forward to. I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.